Hello, welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. My name is Kyle Hyatt. And this is James McKeon. Jamie McKeon, cub reporter. Correct. The world's greatest automotive enthusiast slash shipping uh, container consultant person. That's right. Yeah. Nobody, There's not many of us. Nobody does it better. I, we, I try. Yeah, we're super pumped, though. We're once again on the road, this time in beautiful uh, Chatsworth, California. And what's that in French, Kyle? Uh, Catsworth. That's, there we go. Yeah, there we go. that's exactly right. And we got it with some of the very dignified, cultured, sophisticated guest. Yeah, it's true. No, we're, this <laughs> Compared is, to what? Well, Where have you guys point. been hanging out? <laughs> that's a good point. Touche. Uh, no, but we're really excited. Like we've, we've been wanting to interview this guy for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, sort of danced around it. But now we're here. Jonathan Ward of Icon fame. Hi, guys. Howdy. Great to have you. Yeah. So thanks for taking time out of, I don't know, you have like 900,000 projects going, so. <laughs> yeah. It's so, all good. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's let's kind of start sort of beginning-ish. Um, Icon came later. Before that, you and your wife had a, had a business or still have a business uh, called TLC. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. So I am a travel geek, says my wife. And we found, and I don't really need to, there is a Kiwi in the room, so this is just for the audience. Uh, they're everywhere where it matters. Mm-hmm. So when it's life or death and you're in a really remote location and the car is literally what's going to keep you <laughs> viable sure. as a living human, I just noticed uh, cruisers were everywhere and I, and I just loved them. And, and I came back from uh, one of my trips and I'm like, that's it. Because I, I already knew I wanted to get something for my dogs and, you know, surfing, simple stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want a Jeep. So uh, no offense, Jeepers. And uh, so I went out and bought a cruiser. And that was the beginning of the end. So I started being who I am, which means I took it apart and screwed with it and put it back sure, together sure. again. And it just kind of kept kept going and growing. And uh, ended up there was a, a bet between me, a, another student, and a professor at a USC business class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I personally felt supply and demand was kind of BS because in modern days, if you can somewhat control the supply, you can create the demand. Sure. Yep. Well, that worked for a while. Eventually, I realized my theory is incorrect because <laughs> past a point, if you do succeed at that, then your control over the supply diminishes quickly. Yes. Which is something we deal with now. So, so anyway, I didn't, uh, didn't really like my real job, nor did my wife. And um, we were on another trip and decided without any sort of proper SWOT analysis or anything intelligent that we're going to quit our jobs and we're going to turn my hobby into a business and see how it goes. Because that never goes wrong. Never. Ever. Never right? fails. No. Never fails. And well, hey, I was loaded, man. Great- I, I had like 10 grand and three credit cards and five cruisers. So there you what, go. That's it. That's yeah. it. Perfect. The building blocks of any successful small business. <laughs> so yeah, we just winged it. Um, took over a lease for a classic car friend of ours that had a place he wanted to get out of, mm-hmm. had all the right permits. Mm-hmm. It was cheap enough. So we had a 1,200 square foot glorious facility and it just kind of organically grew over the years until it became literally like a large hamster habitat and <laughs> spread out between three different buildings around multi-tenants in this crazy joint. And then uh, we got lucky. The mayor came to visit us one time and he said, you know, what do you think of business in LA? And I didn't tell him that like, California sucks for business and I'm an idiot to be here. But I focused on trying to find a proper facility and having to move. And and he helped us find this great place. 
Wow. So we moved out to Chatsworth and uh, finally had some space, which we thought we'd never fill the place. Yeah. Now we've expanded twice and we're out of room again. Uh-huh. Boy. So first world problems. Um, so anyway, yeah, TLC totally grew organically just from my love for passion, uh, whatever, for vintage cruisers. And at that time, really nobody was restoring them. Yeah. A guy put, you know, a cheap paint job and some chrome wheels on it. And well, it's an SUV. Left over a small block or whatever. Yeah, no one cared. Yeah. But my theory was, and my bet was based on, if you can elevate the quality of the supply, then you can present it to an audience that had not previously considered it. Sure. And I felt they were ripe and ready to get the kind of respect that traditional two-wheel drive classics got. And I uh, just kind of went from there. Boy, has it. Now you can't pick up a, a decent FJ62 for, what, under 20 grand anymore? Oh, I totally screwed myself. It's crazy. Sure. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, you have a pretty sweet nest egg of uh, rust buckets outside, ready to go. Well, not Don't, terribly no, rusty. Hey, hold on there, mister. They're, they're California cars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, that's become an issue mm-hmm. because I've always specially, specifically gone a 62. No rust. Zero rust tolerance. Mm-hmm. Because the way those buggers rust is from the inside out. Sure. Okay. So you can cut it out of that revealed section on the rain gutter. Mm-hmm. All that means is you know it's growing elsewhere and it's a matter when it comes out. Mm-hmm. So that's become a real a real trouble spot for us to find good ones. Yeah. Would you go like a step beyond like something like the Mustang community does with uh was it Dynacorn or something where they just make new bodies? For well, something like that, I mean, I know that's that's kind of. I don't of... think there's a scalable enough market to justify the proper investment to sure. do that correctly. That would be required. It's got to do somebody else into doing me, it. Some other dude needs yeah. to do that. Yeah. But as we've seen with the vintage Mustang bodies and other full replacement bodies, unfortunately, thus far, the vast majority of them are done in. Taiwan or China mm-hmm. with a tape measure and a piece of chalk and the it's just a quality control disaster. So sure. I'm and I wish I could. Yeah. And the sciences, the resources are almost to that point. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I have to wait for somebody dumber than me to do it and then approach them and say, Hey dude, can I buy that? I want to build this. That's the trick. Yep. It's always the trick. Um, so yeah. So, uh, you know, by this time TLC's going, it's a thing you're, you're cranking out, you know, uh, restored cruisers, you're selling parts, you know, uh, how does icon happen? Cause that's a whole other level of mania. I kind of got bored. Yeah. It's the simple answer. Um, when we started TLC, you know, people would call and I want a V8 and we'd be like, no, no way. You we monster. You monster, you. We won't do that. And then over the years, I, I started playing with that and doing conversions. But even when we started doing the conversions, we, okay, how how is this done traditionally? Mm-hmm. And guys were doing carbureted cast iron small blocks to mm-hmm. like three-speed trannies and transfer cases. And like, so I wanted to take a, 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 a not stuck. I've never been one to r- 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 properly respect ruts of convention. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, so like, okay, that's the way it's been done. But why? Probably because guys are just repeating what the last guy did yeah and the companies that make those archaic adapters have no interest in evolving nor incentive because they're still selling yep but i wanted like okay if we're going to do this let's do a late model aluminum fuel injected refined v8 with emissions let's Mm -hmm. do a five speed you know so with tlc we did that and then um i realized i'm not officially a designer nor an engineer i'm just a dude doing what he loves but since it's well i guess I mean, it's not illegal to call yourself a designer, so I usually try and put that hat on. But 
I'm I'm an engineer interest details mechanical guy. Sure. And I realized, you know, past a point, if you're really looking to evolve it and one up how something is done, you can only get so far with resto modding in the conventional sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because it's bits and pieces and parts from different things. And at the end of the day, it's still a Johnny Cash special, which with some finesse, it can generally do all right. But if you want to evolve it, you have to take responsibility for the entire platform, right? Mm-hmm. And so we decided, all right, we'll be true to the silhouette, the shape of it, and the utilitarian principles of it. But let's go. Like, let's let's rethink everything, not just from a mechanical engineering, but from a tactile and material selection and on and on and on. So that was the beginning icon. Again, no intelligent forethought. Sure. Me. Just go for it. Yeah, me, one employee, a small pile of cash, uh, a separate, somewhat sequestered section of our shop. And how many Lankers this time? Oh, well, I mean, at that time, I just stole my best fabricating employee, and he and I went in the corner and quietly built that while the shop TLC was just doing its normal thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, added it up when we were done. Oh, shit, no one's going to buy this. (laughs) This is ridiculous. And um, really, honestly, did a bit of soul searching. Like, is this just not going to fly? Is this a dumb idea? Sure. Do I need to simplify it, sacrifice decisions and content and components? And then um, a a dear friend who is, uh, I think, like a brand god of our generation, I I went to him and said, Mickey, this is what I'm thinking of doing, and I could do this or I could do that. He says, you're an idiot. Stick to your vision. Mm -hmm. You build it, they'll come. You'll build the market. Go for it. So fortunately, we listened to him, and more fortunately, he was correct because the clients who ended up uh, understanding and finding Icon appealing actually have continued that ethic okay. and, and pushed us and pushed us and pushed us to continuously evolve and improve and integrate new thingamajiggers. You say Mickey. Is this the Mickey from uh, J. Crew? Yeah, yeah, Mickey Drexler. Yeah. yeah, that would be a guy I'd listen to, I think. Totally, yeah. <laughs> And you know, he's one of those people and it's like, I don't care if it's a, like a guy working the counter at McDonald's mm-hmm. or a global CEO like him, mm-hmm. you know, when people are immediate in their judgment and their determination, straight yep. just straight to it. Right. It wasn't like he was going, well, you could, but you know, boom, instantaneous. And, and, uh, at least for me, he's never been wrong. Yeah. And he even bought the first one. That there helps. Yeah. That, that, helps. Helps that helps a lot. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out it's good that you didn't ask the guy at McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah, that might not have panned out as well. Yeah. But you know what? I've actually met people like at whatever, like a sub shop or whatever. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a girl at a local Thai restaurant here that I would hire and put in senior management in a second. Yeah. Because she runs, you know, she runs circles around everyone. You can just tell, right? Mm-hmm. Some people have that head. the ability, the skills. Even some of our technicians have come to us and have never worked professionally as a technician. Sure, I mean, we've had guys that were here on film shoots, or one guy, who just had the eye contact and the handshake, and he had the hobbyist skills since he was a kid. And he said, "I hate what I do, and I want to love what I do. Could, could I work for you?" Mm-hmm. And we took a risk, and he's he's a star. It's killer. That's really cool. That's another thing that's kind of interesting too is you're sort of part of this trifecta of of guys in the valley doing sort of a variation of what you do. And I think the the ether talk that you did sort of touched on that quite a bit, where you know, like you are doing these incredible idealized versions of these you know beloved old four by fours, and you have someone like Rod uh, Emery who's doing you know he's like metal fabricating 
you know, wizard. Lunatic. Yeah, he's a. I don't. He's he, one of my favorite human beings. He's a he's magnificent, magnificent how often, individual. How, how little he sleeps. That's yeah. one thing I well, will say ridiculous. about that. Like my yeah. wife does the same schedule he does. They're both in at work at like four in the morning. That's insane. Yeah, I don't get it. And he leaves it. Like he sleeps twenty minutes a day, I think. Yeah, That's I can't it. Play at very that. most, his long nap is twenty yeah. minutes. And then, of course, you know, Rob Dickinson at you know at the other end of the valley. I'm so happy to see this like renaissance now of of. And what's cool, we were the first ones, to my knowledge, doing what we're doing to this extent in mm-hmm. the automotive space, and True. everyone said we were nuts. <laughs> so, to not only see a community build up around that crazy idea, and to see everyone succeeding. Just luck, serendipity, uh, to, to see this in renaissance worldwide that is occurring now of, of backed craftsmanship, mm-hmm. past the veneer mm-hmm. of a glossy two-page ad or celebrity endorsement or all the bullshit people have been digesting as luxury or bespoke sure. or the whoring of handmade, you know, to, to see this in so many product segments in so many cultures now, it's, I think it... It's one of the things that could save us uh, moving forward as so many countries are saying, oh, yeah, we don't make things anymore. Mm-hmm. We just have service industries. And it's like, uh, yeah. how long is that going to work? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great to, to see how. It kind of makes me think of, of sort of like post-World War II boom where the valley was this. this Hot rod. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, wall to wall, you know, from Silmar to studio city or whatever with with hot rod shops and guys that are chopping and channeling and this kind of thing it's it feels kind of like the beginning of that yeah it's a good parallel have you you ever heard of a guy named tony nancy yeah so when i was he's still alive isn't he uh no tony passed oh he did no who am i thinking of i thought tony was still alive because he did uh gene you're probably thinking of winfield gene winfield that's Mm -hmm. it he's still kicking right yeah and uh so uh well I lose my own train of thought, but we shall return. But of those legend, you know, the old school builders, Mr. Fiberglass and Paper Mache himself, Mr. George Barris, mm-hmm. uh, rest his soul. I had a great uh, moment of Barris. We, we were at a show together, and GM had brought out one of their super rare prototype turbine cars, right? Yeah. And whoever, like, the dude was that was supposed to, like, transported or whatever they were the audience the, the people of the show wanted to hear it run so they fired it up in the middle of the show right so it's a, it's a 60s turbine so it's like <laughs> right and it's just starting True. to grow and grow and grow yeah except they left it in gear so <laughs> as it's getting up to full turbine whatever rpm nonsense that what 20 30 thousand yeah, it starts slowly creeping across the lawn and george was the closest one to it so he's like looks left looks right bends over you know whatever's left of this poor man's body like i don't know how many kneecaps he's gone through and then he literally like his, his whole body's shaking <laughs> oh my and god he's trying to hold the car back and like George, I love you. Like that is such a car dude moment. Like total disregard for any practical sure. considerations. Health safety out the window. It's got to <laughs> oh, save the car. Not got to move. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. So Tony, back to Tony, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I interned for Tony. Oh wow! Uh, as a fifteen-year-old, um, I would go there every third week and do whatever he would let me do, from sweeping the floor to cut up his leather patterns to drool at his projects. And mm-hmm. you know, used to mm-hmm. have like an old offie quarter hanging from the ceiling oh, wow. taken apart from back when he used to race and 
I was so bummed because after he passed and his estate auctioned off his cars, I was at the auction but flat broke and couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. I wanted a piece of him because I have great respect and memory for him. And good yeah. guy. I think he did the interior of McQueen's XKSS, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I've been told. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's kind of the the, the closest I've come to experiencing some of his work is that. So. So I can't blame him yet for the purchase because I've yet to pull the trigger. But ever since that time in 1985 working there i remember one day evil knievel rolled up <laughs> and come on yeah kid of my generation like it Definitely. doesn't get like who's steve mcqueen yeah evil's here you yeah. know and uh he had an aston martin lagonda Sweet. which is just a horrendous vehicle right but yeah i love them i saw one like two weeks ago on uh, uh, La Brea, like kind of like La Brea and Beverly. Behind the gas station? Is that one still there? No, this one was moving under its own power. No, with a person that's, that's even a, a rare sighting. I, ru- I rubbernecked <laughs> Very rare. so hard. My wife is like, oh my God, what's wrong? What's going on? I'm like... Yeah, I want one so bad. I want to, But I wouldn't do it stock. I'd totally tear it apart and geek out on it. But such a cool car. Anyway. Yeah. Back at you. Oh, yeah. I love those. It's on my short list of absurdities, but it's definitely Tony's fault. Or I guess more directly, Evil's fault. Sure. Yeah. Well, if you're going to blame somebody. May as well blame Evil Knievel. Yeah. yeah. Not awful can awful, just Evil Knievel. <laughs> For sure. So um, one of the other things that you're doing now, apart from all the uh, exciting icon stuff, which we'll get into a little bit more, is uh, you just released your first watch. I did. I'm so I excited. Know you're, I know you're a bit of a watch nerd. Like, I think I've seen the thing where you talked to... Um, so Ben Clymer from Hodinkee. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us about the uh, is it the doozy. Yeah. So, oh gosh, like going back to like when I was seven or eight, I, I was sketching cars and I was sketching watches and a geek for both. Um, life took me in the direction of cars, but I've always been a watch collector and um, I've just been dying to do it. So back All when right. I... Just I, the lizard. Yeah, I just I handed think, him the, yeah. the number, serial number one. So, um, just as a geek for both things, it like shows and collections and concourse, like Mm -hmm. you can't, but help if you're that guy, I see your watch geek too, right? You look at some of the gauges on these cars, you're like, oh my God, that'd be the coolest watch. Mm -hmm. So it's so linear to me, but at the same time, I've always felt with rare exception that the watch industry, when they do an automotive themed watch, it's like a thinly veiled marketing exercise of just kind of BS branding. And like they're never like deep into it, and, and there's so right. much room for that. Yeah, I think the, the only like halfway decent sort of that I can think of is is the uh, like the Autodromo stuff, and that's like a completely different end of the market in terms of like being an automotive themed watch that's not cheesy or gross or terrible. Yeah, totally agree. Um, what's his name? Brian. Um, Brad. Brian. Ben. Bradley. Bradley. Bradley yeah. Price. Very nice guy. Yeah. Um, also, can we just say lovely font? I will say that. Oh, yeah. It's a lovely course. font on there. Whose? Yours. My, oh, thank you, because yeah. I'm a major font typeface geek. So sure. that's another thing that always irked me with watches. No matter the price point, there's almost no watch brands. I think Nomos is the exception that comes oh, to mind yeah. that have continuity with the typeface on the watch. Mm-hmm. It's like the date window will be one. Markings of the movement will be another. So you're saying the you're just be about to unleash for your second watch everything in Comic Sans? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the baby. Comic Sans watch. Whatever's free on the Mac. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Done. There you so, go. Uh, so yeah, I developed this uh, typeface myself. 
It was inspired by original ads and owner material from the original. Everything of the, the watch is called the Doozy. Mm-hmm. It's based on the tack and Speedo that would have originally been in the first 250 so Duesenbergs, like the SJ series. Mm-hmm. Which apparently, as I researched this, I uh, was up at RM's Resto facility in Canada, and like they have the the biggest doozy geek on the planet there, and he goes, "Oh yeah, those suck." <laughs> they, it's like usually you don't see those anymore because they were so unreliable that when Duesenberg came out with the new version, a more conventional, everyone just switched. Everyone, yeah, wired them and said, "Get it out. I want that one. Mm-hmm. I still don't have one. I want one." Send me your broken one, somebody, Mr. Duesenberg owner. We've got so many Duesenberg listeners to the show. You know what? Yeah. There's Never. probably a guy over in Burbank that has a couple, couple no, two, three I've laying around. No, I already grilled him. He does it. <laughs> he volunteered, but then we went digging and he didn't have one. Well, that's, that's, but, but Jay that's borderline was, shocking, actually. Jay was very helpful, too, because in the original, I had... Okay, so I have like a massive image file that I've kept over the years, and then I've broken it down to like... Cloisonne badges, grills, mm-hmm. hinges, yeah. clocks, speedos, like it's ridiculous. And that was my sort of, as it was bubbling up that I wanted to make this watch, the first one I wanted to do was the doozy for sure because I clearly remember seeing the first doozy and seeing the speedo. Mm-hmm. And that thought hit me immediately. So I, I wanted to do that. But I didn't have like the right shots and enough. I wanted to make sure Sure. I was considering hardware and trim and like Mm -hmm. everything down to the crown and the case shape and all that. So Jay was kindly patient with me and let me come in there with camera gear for like eight hours and shoot the shit out of all of his doozies. That's nice. uh, That works out well. So um, I designed the crown based on the radiator cap on the earlier cars. Mm -hmm. Okay. The case body, I just kind of did my thing but of the era. Um, the dial is polished onyx. The case is all titanium with a high polish. It does feel a nice weight. I will top say that. Ring, yeah. yeah. And then it's a six, 60 PSI silica blasted for the funky base. And then um, I design everything, the band and the class. None of it is off the shelf mm-hmm. except for the small block of movements with a complication. It's an ETA movement with uh, Dupree Dupra complication. So it's a what they call a jump hour with wandering minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So super, super clean, just a simple window with the numeral for the hour and then a smaller arc at the bottom that rotates through time and mm-hmm. then clicks back once it hits 59 minutes that's exciting i'm so stoked yeah i meant to bring the box in to show you guys it's pretty nifty well we'll, we'll do a mulligan later in the way out yeah right. no it's it's beautiful it's a it's gorgeous cool. watch yeah. and yeah like they said that was freaking out a little bit about the uh the icon gecko on the, yeah, the, on, the on the display is back absurd. is yeah. he's also like super tiny on the crown but you can barely see him oh yeah my it's not that good so um, they're they're hung up in customs mm-hmm. this very minute oh boy mm-hmm. um fishing game um, which is the second time this has occurred. It happened with the first prototype, but uh, they should be in our paws and ready to send out to people um, by the end of uh, this month. How big so of a run are you exciting. guys doing? Just 50 units. Okay. Yep. That's exciting. James, you should, uh, I think you've got, what, connections? 12 grand sitting around? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I think that was about ballpark. Price yeah, they're, they're 11 five. Yeah, that's close. And we've got like 18 of them left. And then. Uh, Kyle said, take eight. Look, yeah. I got to move at least ten. So good. if you could go to ten instead of eight, then you can get my I've, wife I've off my it. back and she'll let me Kyle's, do the next Kyle's one. Signed up for ten. Take, I've you, got to get a rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's it's gorgeous, gorgeous work. Thank you. Congratulations. So hopefully, I'll be allowed to continue to geek out and keep doing that again and again and again. And I've already yeah. modeled up a bunch of them. I'm dying to 
Nice. Get going, but my wife won't let me. I just, we just want to know what the next empire is going to take you into now. Well, I mean, the you know, watches are kind of a dumb business because it's incredibly political and fractured and difficult to get done. Sure. Like mm-hmm. I originally wanted to do it here in the States, and I couldn't find the right network of people to facilitate sure. the jump hour. So we went and had it all done in Switzerland. And, uh, it, you know, it's something that was supposed to be easy, which is sort of my catchphrase that it I never get in is. trouble with I think here everywhere. You said, this is going to be so easy. Totally. Now no yeah. one listens to me in this building when I say that anymore. <laughs> I've actually stopped even trying to use the term but um just say it's not going to be hard this yeah, is well, you know not going to be hard they, they take up less room how's yeah, that exactly right? right they're small 50 right. of them i can fit in my office no yeah, problem now we're talking done. yeah <laughs> oh man so no i mean to direct, honestly answer your question um i'm honored to be in business and be allowed to do what i'm doing without being forced into sacrifice yeah now that i've been allowed to do that for so long i'm holding on to that like a monster sure and as you should it, yeah i would I can't wait and hope to have the opportunity to do all sorts of industrial design because I think our basic premise here, Mm -hmm. which is just classic designs reinterpreted in a modern context, Mm -hmm. not like blinging them out and screwing them up, but but making them relevant for today's usage, right? Sure. I want to do that with furniture and architecture, and there's a whole list of silly stuff I want to do. Yeah. So I guess then you're going to go from three buildings to four at some point then. Well, no. Hopefully by then I'm smart enough to find collaborative partners. Oh, that's and just yeah, do, yeah. right? Like yeah. work with Steelcase and then let them manufacture and distribute. Sure, that would be much go. better. Yeah. Yeah. You should just have the, like, the files of the computer so you don't have to worry about too much about yeah. space. It's I easy. Would, I, I, right? I would be interested to see the, uh, the, 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 the Jonathan Ward Icon Steelcase Tanker Desk. That's exactly what I'm dying to You notice this monster meeting tables oh, from yeah. the 30s, all the offices, everything's old tank and tanker. Mm-hmm. And the brands that pioneered that today, they're like cubicle dwelling plastic. It's like, guys, their yeah. own heritage yeah. is so incredible. And like, I'd love access to those libraries, right? Oh, yeah, so, like, be fantastic. make it out of aluminum instead of steel. Mm-hmm. Make it flat packable so it can ship. Mm-hmm. Give it power ports and charge port. You know, like, there's so many things we could do to make that super cool in a modern way. And yeah. I'm dying to do it. I'm sure there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley that would pay lots of money for that in those rooms. That'd be grand. Yeah, see? Yeah. You can but make it, that but market. You know what? If, if I don't even, like, the, the price point of what I do, in all honesty, is a result of how I do it and sure, how few of them I do. Effort. Yeah. Right. It's not some typical luxury, good, huge markup deal. Yeah. It's, like, barely a viable business, especially uh-huh. the one-offs. So even the watch, like, try making no compromise, highest-end partner, best material watches at 50 units and amortized tooling and molds and all. It's a, it's a shit show. Yeah. But furniture, big boys, tons of distribution. I'd love to see stuff sell out at like a fifteen percent premium over the other stuff and be way cooler. Yeah. So, yeah, just saying. Yeah, I mean, design within reach exists. I don't mean again. I don't know who it's in reach of, but design within reach exists, and there's clearly a place for that kind of thing there. So the CEO is a good friend. His name's John Edelman. Oh, okay. He's a great car dude and design-driven oh, guy. Used to have a killer um, leather company. That's oh. how I originally met him. Um, and I was geeking with him last time I was in New York and told him this idea. He's like, dude, do it. Go for it. I'll distribute it. That's I'm awesome. Like, oh, don't tell me that. It's a sign. You just, you just have a network of enablers, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really, honestly, I do accept my wife and my COO 
fortunately aren't enablers. That's good. They kind yeah. of try and keep me on a leash and reel they're, me they're in. They're the ones that bring the checks and balances to you. Is that what it is? Yeah, and they're pretty pissed off at me right now. <laughs> I'm hemorrhaging money on a on a research and development project that I believe strongly in that um, they think I'm completely nuts on. But if I don't <laughs> do it, we're not evolving. Sure. You know, if, if, if let's say we created the space that we're in and there's tons of companies and individuals coming into that space and their whole business model is we're just like Icon but quicker and cheaper. Sure. Mm-hmm. So for those that know they are not and there's room for everybody, although I'm a little butthurt and wish they'd be just 2% creative and build their own market. But, but that's really hard. Point, <laughs> oh, shut up. At some point, though, right, that that is going to evolve and that market share will dwindle. So I'm like, we got to keep going. And yep. like, plus, that's my head. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to keep going and going and going. But it's just apparently not very fiscally responsible. Not yet. But no. then you just got to wait to be proved right. Yeah, you know, got to make that money. Okay. Right? That's well, no, already I'm screwed because even if I do pull it off, mm-hmm. already the level of investment in it, like, it'll be like five years of production before I oh, God. amortize out and get net neutral yeah. on the R&D. But I have a problem with um, my word to myself and others mm-hmm. to uh, probably a dysfunctional extent. I'll honor it. Um, even the concept of, for example, let's say, um, if the pencil pushers said I had to, and they say, no, it's really irresponsible. We have to abandon this project or too much money and you're not close enough to done. I, I can't do that. Yeah. Right. Um, and what's difficult is, is the company gets bigger, right? The stakes are higher. Sure. So I'm, I may need to have a little, uh, reality personal check and revise that. But like, if I say I'm going to do something to anyone, including myself, I'll do everything in my power to do it. Hmm. Which has been a good strength, but it, it it's trying to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, part that of makes fun. sense. Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. I mean, looking at this place and the things that you're you're doing and things that you've done, yeah, you'd have to be a little dumb, unhealthy, delusional. <laughs> um, I know. would say focused and driven. Yeah, that too, for sure. But no, to to, to make it all happen, it, it's really like this this sort of, um, yeah, kind of like monument to will. Like you've you've done all this, just I mean, yeah. It, it takes. To, to to look at like an old Ford Bronco and say like, yeah, this is cool, but also I'm going to mill everything out of aluminum and steel. <laughs> just, I mean, just, I don't do I do I need to? No, but I'm gonna, I'm going to do it. And then you, then you do it and you repeat it and then you turn it into a bit like that's, nobody would do that. Nobody would just keep butting their head up against that wall until it happened and then finally worked. And from my research, a lot of the guys who did that either ended up bankrupt on the street or completely lost their mind. Like for sure, I look at uh, Voisson, the Voisson brothers. Oh, absolutely. I, I look at Ettore yeah. Bogate, and these are people that inspire me to hold the line. <laughs> but if you look at the end of the line for them, they're probably not like the kind of heroes you should set your sights on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. The the, the rose the the rose tinted glasses are you know yeah. just but. glass half full. Always glass half full. Just keep it there. Yeah. No. The the, the uh, all the the Avion Vosin stuff is uh, unbelievable, incredible. Really so the, 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 his fabrics in particular are the best, phenomenal. They're so bizarre, yeah. and his and his all his hand machine work. Mm-hmm. And, you know the story the, about the, 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 sca- bird? the scallop on the bottom. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The, it goes oh, all the way around yeah. the ridge line. So good. You ever heard the story about the bird? No. You know they're they're beautiful. Yeah, but elegantly the, simple. The pedestrian murderer. Yeah, <laughs> the most dangerous looking hood ornament. So apparently. 
Well, obviously, we all know in car geekness world, um, in that time, especially in Europe, the um, Lalique crystal or whatever, mm-hmm. the aftermarket uh, hood ornaments were in vogue. He didn't like him. He didn't believe in him. And a client sent, I think it was the aerodynamic coupe specifically, the mm-hmm. the one with the crazy textile, like yes. the Concorde winner had, the blue and white one. The, yeah. the, the portholes and the sliding roof. And the ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two-stroke engine for the, the sliding sli- roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if the manual advised you should roll the windows down before no. firing <laughs> no, up the retracting hard top. Yeah. I love that car. Just have, just have your man get in and do it for you first. So it, Exactly. So it showed up. At his shop for some work, and it had one of the Lalique crystal thingamajiggers on the hood. Mm-hmm. And he was so aggravated and thought it impacted his design so poorly, he knocked it off the car. <laughs> he sat down immediately, and they just, like, sawed out some chunks of stainless and made their own, polished it up, and put it on there and said... Done. This you may have. Yeah. <laughs> this you may have. I like <laughs> and that. from there forward. I've gifted that means, this to but you. They were such incredible pioneers. We oh, know yeah. all their story. Like they had taken flight before the Wright brothers, mm-hmm. but they couldn't talk about it publicly because it was a military effort. Then the brother died in one of their test flights and they went into the cars. There's a killer book um, written by him that's called something wonderful, like A Thousand Cars, 10,000 Women oh, or wow. something like that. I did not know that he wrote oh, a book, but I now I have to seek office. it out. You can find it. It's pretty nutty. That's amazing. Yeah, Auto Aero Books in Burbank has it. Okay. I'll check it out. Uh, I know like the the Mullen Museum did um, uh, like a, a, a Vaussant book, and it's bound in replica Vaussant fabric, Yeah, which is almost enough to make you want to buy it. Almost. Yeah, I've been uh, almost almost. I've been, I it's haven't an expensive seen book. <laughs> uh, Peter and David for a while, but I was planning on dropping a pretty not so subtle hint for that. Yeah, I did some really cool uh, aluminum art of one of his cars as a gift years ago. Oh, I, I haven't burned the coupon. Okay. Never asked for there anything. So I think I'm that, ready. Maybe that's I'm ready it, to yeah. cash that one in. Yeah, well, if, yeah. If someone's gonna gonna be holding a, you know, owe you a favor, it's good one. Peter Mullen's yeah. a good one. Yeah. You ever yeah. seen the Saustick book? The, oh, the Sautrick book? Or, yeah, no. the, the three... Oh, f- oh, boy. Yeah. It's good stuff. I do appreciate his... The, the All the books and stuff that he does for the museum, like, are so, like... No one is going to buy them, well, mostly. very few people but they're buy them. so beautifully made and so beautifully done. He's another one of those lunatics where yeah. Oh, yeah. he has the cash to not care if someone buys it or not. Right. But if he's going to do something, he's going to execute it at the to highest perfection. possible mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well I, played. I appreciate that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I guess uh, one thing I'm uh, speaking about, like the the Vaussant, uh hood ornament. How did you come on, or how how did you decide on the uh, the the lizard for Icon? Well, my story is not as uh, legendary, I suppose. But back when I was still trying to call my Land Cruiser th- thing a hobby, mm. um, I was in like Reseda, a neighboring town here, buying some guy's old FJ40 out of the truck trader. And it was part of a big garage cleanup effort. And he had a pile of crap by the curb for the trash man. And on that was an old damaged fireplace screen upon which was that lizard. And I saw it and thought, man, that's cool. So I got out of my truck and checked it out. And the craftsmanship was impeccable. Mm-hmm. And I said, eh, so is this recycling? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I have that? He's like, yeah, I don't care. So I tin snipped it off, kept it. And over the years, it would go on my primary daily driver. Mm-hmm. So every time that would switch, off went the lizard, and on he went to the next one. And he was, I don't know, whatever. It's my St. Christopher. So, sure. Not a religious guy. So, 
that's what I did. And um, then when we started the brand, I had a really stupid short list of brand name ideas that all kind of sucked. And then my wife came up with Icon. I'm like, ooh, that's good. Yeah. So we ran with that. And the funny thing with that, too, is GM and then Ford, or I remember who was first, they held that trademark for like 30 years between the two of them. Oh, okay. And right when my wife came up with it and I checked the mark, it had gone dead for like two months. Oh, <laughs> so straight in there. Again, serendipity rules. Yep. Um, so anyway, I always have been like a brand thinking sort of guy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, we have to have... Uh, a, a very clear logo uh, to accompany that great name. Sure. So uh, I found a really cool jeweler back east, and he uh, would cast those for me. And uh, did you ever figure out where they came from originally? Then, or what? No, there was no marking on it, no nothing. And judging by the rest of the assembly, I'd say it was from the forties, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. But um, the 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 easier story that I used to tell. Mostly was just that when we did just four buys, you know, when you're off on trails and you're well beyond where most can be, mm-hmm. and it's just you and your cruiser. The other thing you're going to see scampering around on the rocks is a California blue belly lizard, which he looks an awful lot like. Yeah. So that's kind of BS, but yeah. Yeah. I give you the real story. The real story is better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what? Uh, one one thing I'm kind of curious about sitting outside this this conference room is an incredible looking uh, Mercedes 300 Adenauer. And and that's I assume that's for uh, like a future derelict if somebody's really 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 brave. Yeah, I, I my, so we have hunters that help us track down cars, mm-hmm. and unfortunately or fortunately, they often send me things that they know me well enough to know I'm going to dig, whether we have a client hunting for it or oh, not. not. Yeah, sure. which is like unfortunately a bunch of things that I've chipmunked away in a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, they found that I just fell in love with it. So it's such an overlooked, underappreciated vehicle. Yeah. It's 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 pretty gorgeous. I've only ever seen one like fully restored, and I, I like that one. Better. The one at the La Jolla Concourse. I'm gonna. Fathom. I think so. I, I mean, he's been to the the Peterson a few times. It's it's black and yep. it's all red interior. It did the resto was done by the Classic Center, I think. Yeah. Oof. Which fun way to spend ten times what you ever get out of something, but yeah, beautifully as, executed. Why not? As somebody that it's has only to spend money. a lot of money at the Classic Center, like yeah, that's just absurd. Yeah, I don't know. I've always loved him, and you know. Um, for listeners, if you don't know the car, basically in the old days, if you went to a Mercedes dealership um, from the mid '50s through to '60, '61, right around there, I think mm-hmm. was the last the year. Six, was six, because the six hundred came out in '62 or '63. Yeah, and so this was, was sort of like before the six hundred. This was the six hundred. Yeah, so you go into the dealership, all the one ninety SLs and all the normal cars would be like off to the left and then mm-hmm. off to the right would be the 300 Gullwing, the 300 Roadster and this gorgeous sedan and they've actually often been parted out to support because it's the their, same motor yeah, yeah they're higher valuable brethren but sure. they're beautiful in their own right pillarless yeah. mine's well 59 and 60 I think are the only years that are truly pillarless but beautiful large greenhouse mm-hmm. and you know we've turned down a couple clients who wanted to build that because the what they wanted to do with it really wasn't celebrating that car the sure. way I thought it. Because so I think that car should be done as a derelict, hands down. Yeah. It's original paint and upholstery. Yeah. Well, the interior on that thing is beautiful. Gorgeous. It's in beautiful condition. So I want to remove the stock, very strange, almost lotus-looking chassis. I don't know if you've ever seen. They're mm-hmm. like a capital I. They're super funky. Oh, looking. interesting. So I want to remove that, have the client store it and keep it. Then I want to do my thing, but I want to do it like no badging, just a lizard somewhere, but like dead stock sleeper. You wouldn't know it. Sure. 
And everyone wants to paint it and redo this. And it's like, no, it's too cool. Yeah. So there's a question there. So how often do you clash with maybe clients? I want to, especially with that one, you said there's been a couple that have come through. I mean, well, I'm guessing the other people that were the checks and balance and we say, oh my word, he's turned someone down again. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like that. There was a great conversation that Rob and Rod and I had mm-hmm. at the Ether Apparel event where, you know, how do you address that? And it's very delicate. Yeah. And there's plenty in the majority of shops that will do whatever, you know, you want a fish tank. No problem. Yeah. Right, right. Orange, neon, orange and purple. I mean, no that's what Carlos first thing whenever he gets work done in his car is kind of a fish tank in it. Oh, of course. Who wouldn't? Right. Yeah. So um, we just this we our output is so low on the one offs and the whole division only exists because it's where I want to continue to learn and evolve and try Mm -hmm. new things. Sure. If we don't love it, we just won't do it. We're happy to recommend a shop that loves fish tanks or or whatever you want. You could probably be on TV, which is the most fun kind of brush off to give. Like, excuse me, sir, perhaps you'd be happier at kind of, you know, I love that. I love how you just backed out of saying the name that was at the tip of your tongue. It's yeah. very kind of you. I try. Good work, uh, Kyle. Yeah. This is, I appreciate that. That's why he gets the glances from me over occasionally where she's like, don't say it, Kyle. Yeah. Pull back. Yeah. But not only that, obviously you do the derelicts and you do the reformers as well, which is another, would say, similar sort of mm-hmm. uh, business model kind of thing. But it's also good that those things get appreciated like you were just on the Hoonigan doing the build biology with your Wagoneer, which is oh, incredible. Yeah. That was... That was like borderline pornographic. That, I mean, that, that was that, so good. That, that that truck is incredible. Yeah, I'm really pleased. The client gets it today. I'm waiting for him to call. And get oh, it. man. Well, if you need someone to take it around the block one more time, we've got some volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the one-offs are by far the most fulfilling mm-hmm. thing that we do. But as a business, they're asinine. Oh, yeah. They, they take up a disproportionate amount of intellect and resources and shop space and on and on and on. And at the end of the day, they're brutally expensive, too, sure. to be able to do. And if I make 5% on them, we're lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not business. Yeah. No. But I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah. And How, we learn, 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 but learn But you've got constantly. the, I mean, at least as you were telling us, you're kind of, you, you've got to the point with, with the uh, the other icon stuffs like the, the BRs and the FJs, where it's, it's not only it's, is it repeatable, but it's like, fairly efficient for the kind of operation that it is like there's this station does this this station does this is you know it's it's not just kind of like haphazard like whoa well this part came in today let's bolt her on kind of thing like i think we've we've gotten out of the uh prehistoric and now we're approaching like bc sort of before christ era like yeah we're trying to get the whole concept out of the stone age that was one of the founding principles so yeah we've spent a lot of time designing and refining and engineering and CAD standardizing. And there's still tons of room for improvement, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a, it's difficult. And that's funny. It's another stupid thing that I never anticipated mm-hmm. you know, the forethought, the foresight on. Right. It's one thing to build design engineer, a singular unit and tada, here it is. Yeah. yeah. And then open your mouth and say, okay, I'm taking orders for them. What I failed to understand is it is a completely different task and skill set to figure out how the hell to efficiently do it again and again and again and again and again without sacrificing the quality. And while better yet, improving the quality each and every time. But it's fun. And people smarter than me here now that helped me figure that out. That is helpful. It's always good. Well, and allowing the kind of customization that, that you do on, you know, on the standard icon stuff. I hate to say standard icon stuff, but I mean, compared to the reformers and the derelicts. Um, yeah, I'd imagine that's that's incredibly challenging to sort of make that all jive. You know? Yep. 
It is. And, you know, basically we're building one-off prototypes that are expected to run and drive and commute every day sometimes. So that brings with it a lot of challenges. And yeah. the the probably the greatest um, mental struggle for me is letting them go, A, and B. Yeah, well, that's the question yeah, I was going to ask. Letting, is... them, letting these one-offs go knowing, always. I'm always cursed with, oh, gosh, I should have done that like this and this mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, so like, how, often, how does that – obviously the one where these cars spend a lot of time here and you obviously source the bodies yourself or someone would help you and then you invest in it. There's lots of time and effort that you put personally into it and then seeing that baby like get the work done, develop, grow – and then send it its way. There must certainly be some pull at the end of it all. It kind of sucks, yeah. And I think part of that is why I stink at the last 5%, you know, getting it through the last five. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I am so about the next project sure, sure. that um, and let's th not that keeps me going. The, the, the thing, too, is like the right client. I think one thing that I, again, never anticipated is – the repeat clients, yeah. right? Like I'd think at this ridiculous price point, like a guy would save up, he'd buy one and he's mm -hmm. gone. We've got almost half of our clients now have two or more. And we've got several people that literally like, like that super bird. Yeah. It's like a year from done. And the guy's like, we should start talking about the next one. What are we going <laughs> to do next? Or like the guy we did the Wagoneer for, that's yeah. his fifth one. And the respect that that shows to us is epic. Yeah. And then when we're in the design phase and stuff, you know, if it's a new client, you know, the struggles you brought up of what if they do want that fish tank or whatever, like sure. that dance is a lot more delicate. Sure. But by the time you've done three, four, five, six, seven for the same client, it's amazing. Yeah. Because now they, and like verbatim, I've had multiple clients go, you know what, man, I do what I do really well. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm able to do this Before stuff this with you. Yeah. You do what you do. Your team does what you guys do very well. That's why I'm here. Build it like you're going to keep it. That's my favorite sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And like on that Wagoneer, there were like five, four things towards the end that were just up my bum. Mm -hmm. Some were client decisions. Some were just the way things came out. But we had such a great relationship with the client. I could call him and say, all right. All right, Tom. Like. I know I said this should be like that, but I got to tell you, I think it sucks. Like, you know, or, like, or I know you wanted this done like this, but it's just not working. Could I talk you into like, could I at least try on my dime like that? And if you dig it, then you can buy it. Otherwise, I'll eat it. It's like that super bird I was showing you guys, like major, major project. I mean, seven digit project. And yeah. we just spent a lot of money designing and prototyping and building out a test front clip. And me and the client and my team, we all stood back and looked at the hood and said, well, damn, that's ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It looks like a slug, you know? <laughs> so we um, fortunately are in a position where the client had the faith. And uh, he said, all right, well, let's back up and redo it. No worries. Mm -hmm. How are you doing with uh, technology in regard to doing things like that? Is it the point now where with the being able to print 3D print things out, is that helping you at all in regards to it? It it is. I'm not the big fanboy of 3D printing that I think the community at large is. Uh -huh. I know several builders that use it on final delivery items in a oh, vehicle. That oh, that 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 sounds. Thank a bit, you. Yeah. No, no I like agree with literally that, yeah. plastic chroming the the housing and expecting it to hold up. Um, and it's <laughs> it blows my mind. But that being said, for prototyping, yeah, it was oh, just hell prototype yes. work. For, yeah. for for reverse mold making for. I want to start doing taillight lenses when we have to. I'm surprised I haven't seen anyone do that yet. Yeah. 
That's interesting. But look, the the bigger answer is it's amazing. Yeah. This is like the dot-com boom of fabrication occurring mm-hmm. right now between reverse engineering, rapid prototyping, low-volume manufacturing. It's changing so quickly. It's phenomenal to be a part of and to see. And, you know, at this point, I'm not bleeding edge. I'm somewhat cutting edge. But, like, sure. the proper metal 3D printing machines. Oh, they're so cool. I yeah. mean, they're so cool, but, hey, yeah. like... You need to literally have that machine running 24-7. 366 366, days. yeah. Um, to be working. It better be leap year every yeah. Exactly. To, yeah, make to, some, to, to make yeah. net neutral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, easily, um, easily. I mean, there's still, you know, over a million easily for, for a good one. Yeah. yeah. So mostly we do it for prototyping, and then sure. we sublet to leading aerospace or whoever I can talk into yeah, working with their little company. Again. Yeah. yeah, to just just stay on the bleeding edge and, and keep watching and trying and testing and it's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. There's some really cool stuff. Yeah, the the I think the first time I heard about the three D print the metal three D printing was the Koenigsegg one to one turbine housings. Where they three D printed in titanium because they couldn't find a way to cast it. Yeah, I mean like, that's the other thing. I'm like, well, we've done that on very few times, and it's because the piece could not be machined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I can't put it in my CNC, then okay, then then we'll go down that road. Sure. Software too has gotten super sexy lately. Yeah. Hmm. There's this new one called Fusion 360. So we'll bounce out of SolidWorks and Katia. But this new Autodesk Fusion 360 is, uh, it still has a way to go to be robust enough to handle major assemblies and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's so cool. Like we can go straight to CNC, we can go straight to 3D printing, we can oh, go cool. straight to CGI killer renders without any plugins, all in one. That's pretty, that's killer. pretty awesome. One thing I'm sort of curious about as we're sitting here surrounded by interesting fabric samples. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot to clean up. Uh, no, we like it. Is, you, you kind of have de- developed this reputation for using decidedly non-automotive standard materials hell yes and it, it's because they suck yeah well you, 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 i would imagine that it's quite limiting in what people are making like if you want cherry red vinyl that you know like that that's a thing that could you know be serviced by the automotive aftermarket but if you want you know like a, a beautiful wool houndstooth yeah. Well, yeah. look, even red vinyl right yeah. in the traditional theater of automotive suppliers okay you've got maybe five or six choices right dig deeper okay what's the substrate how is it made? What's the rating? What's the UV class? What's mm-hmm. the dry rub rate? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the automotive space, unless you're a big boy OEM and you can go to anyone you want and order 10,000 sure. feet at a time, it's all price driven. It's all hyper commoditized yep. and it sucks. It's just designed to be the lowest possible price. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I get out of automotive in textiles and in leathers like i'm at the very deep end of the pond in leathers because that's a big hobby of mine as well and we've befriended all these cool tanneries and so yeah all the craziness you're seeing right now we're just like literally just what monday yep came went public with uh, the new old school edition of our bronco following up on our old school fj which i guess is just what it sounds like but much more under the radar retro sure but the original Broncos had such a killer color palette and all sorts of funky plaid and cool interiors. So I want to play with that. Mm-hmm. We're the only going to be gloss paint. We're, I want to see oranges and turquoise and all the different funky palettes from the 60s and the 70s. So like Pacific Design Center, mm-hmm. 
uh, or to Knowles Studio and, and different shops. Uh, I went yesterday and spent the day hunting things that I think could work in that arena. Okay. Well, one thing I'm sort of curious about is like, uh, I know in a lot of the, the icon stuff you've used, like, um, like outdoor patio furniture. Materials. Everything you see on this table that, is outdoor patio. Rated. Okay. Cause some, it's like, yeah. How did, when you first started doing that, how did you sell that to a client or did you just do it and said like, maybe, just they, maybe, won't, not maybe they won't notice where it came from. They'll just like it. Well, I, that, that seems like if somebody's paying like, you know, quarter of a million, whatever plus for a, a car, I feel like that would be a hard, a hard sell initially. Like the first time. Mm, well, I am a big believer in like master alliance, right? Like if you don't, if, if I don't know the answer to the question, I'm not going to make up an answer. I'm going to shut up, go do my research, yeah, mm-hmm. dig in the black book, find the dude who's the rock star of that and ask him. So that's what got me into this world at first because okay. I was just going and looking at sexy textiles and like, well, that'll work. And then I consulted and my buddy's like, uh, yeah, for six months, then yeah, it's then it'll fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I think, um, I just, it's not a hard sell at all. Never okay. was. Just flat out automotive standard resources, been there, done that, commoditized, crap materials. But if we get into the higher end home design realm and commercial high end, um, I, I have a much wider palette to choose from. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I can show them the technical specs. This is automotive. This is this yeah, Knoll or Maharam or whoever. Yeah. It's night and day. Like, yeah. like literally from 10,000 dry rub for the automotive, it's 100,000 mm-hmm. dry rub sure. for the patio. That's interesting. I like my patio furniture that I have indoors. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's this whole thing going on that I wasn't aware of until I went yesterday to talk to a couple of reps. And like... His one rep so much fun. He's like, oh, yes, patios are getting so colorful all of a sudden. There's like all these great patterns and colors and everyone's just having so much fun and it's so much fun. <laughs> and he and he was right. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot more nifty stuff, except plaid is not in vogue, apparently. Uh-huh. He recommended I come back pre-fall season and there we might go. see more. Maybe more to stock more. up. Yeah, I like that. And especially one of the things I really love is, is your use of uh, architectural glass. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Specifically, I think the first time I saw it was on one of the BRs. Yeah. Where it's got that kind of uh, coppery, bronzy. Yeah, we can do it like it. a silver or a bronze or a green, all sorts. But it's like a matte, reflective. I mean, it's like, look up, folks. It's just the cool stuff you see on skyscrapers and wonder how they did that. Yeah, it's yeah. the whole thing is that's probably one of my, if I had to pick a favorite thing about kind of what you do, it's that, that interesting use of materials that really kind of goes outside. It's like, where did that go? come from what the hell is yeah, that and then the like, challenge is to as a designer to create the synergy mm-hmm. where you don't get distracted by them and they somehow work together all in right. chorus but you're right i mean we have aerospace rail car marine military architectural like all the mm-hmm. things that i'm just naturally a geek for and i'll experience touch see somewhere and go, oh, that'd be cool how can i integrate that or oh that'd be really cool in the that and then um figure out how to source it and get it in here. And it's mm-hmm. funny how many times the other industries go, wait, what? You want to do, <laughs> you want to use it in a what? No, 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 no. We don't do that, son. Yeah. And there's semi packing, but it's getting better. That's good. But before we wrap up, Kyle, mm-hmm. I mean, we've just talked about what he's done and what he's doing, but I think we need to, what he's doing, I should say, but the ether talk, 
I really enjoyed because we talked about what was in your past and what you've done. <laughs> Which I rarely discuss. Exactly. <laughs> Somehow they got out of me because they're all good friends. At, yeah. So we feel like that maybe we should talk about your origin story. Oh, God, you can drag the skeletons out again. Yes. It's, it's such a good story. Just it's, go to RottenTomatoes.com, my friends, <laughs> and you will find I'm very, very rotten. Um, I grew up in a very small town in the country. Because um, let's also want to say it's not often that I have two people that I can call Twinkle Toes in the room because Carl Hyde is known for his dancing on the dance floor. Oh, really? No, not really. Very, <laughs> very rarely. Very rarely. He will deny it, but it is very See, true. I suck at dancing now unless I've drank too much. Yeah, so I go. lost that and my singing voice. I don't know what happened. Well. But yeah, we grew up in a, in a remote town. My dad was uh, first in his family to go to college, go to law school. Um, struggling at that time, still paying off tiny lawyer, big firm, whatever. Sure. But my parents really understood that they wanted to, to keep like stepping and evolving. And they like literally never pretty much got out of their small town. And they wanted to make sure that my sister and I were exposed to the arts and culture. And um, through a, a dear friend uh, who ended, it was actually our godmother, uh, was a, Senator Monroney's wife in mm -hmm. D.C., and uh, my parents had like a standing deal with her and we would go visit her in D.C. and she would take us to the theater, the museum, the opera, the ballet, whatever it might be. And uh, just odd coincidences, the first U.S. performance of Berenshnikov, uh of Don Quixote at the Kennedy Center. And we went backstage to meet him and he asked me if I danced. And I said, no, because I was like, little league country, what? Boys don't dance. But I, I knew better than to say that. I've, I've read my audience, and I just said, no, I'm too short, which I was, and I thought that would get me a pass. Sure. Apparently, it's the wrong thing to say to Berenshnikov, because that's what everyone told him. He'd never be a good dancer because he's too short. He so you just read your audience there without knowing it. Right? And then... Um, he ended up setting me up with a Baltimore repertory dance company, and I danced, uh, trained in ballet, and then that coincidence turned into another coincidence, and my parents, again, with good intentions, a friend of ours from dance was going to the big city, going to New York City for an audition, and um, our parents were friends. He said, well, you know, we'll give you like 40 bucks for food and can he go with you <laughs> so he can see the big city what they didn't realize was that the audition was a cattle call meaning any idiot could sign up and i was bored so i put my name on the list and i just looked at the other dudes copied what they were doing and I ended up getting it so it just steps like that just kept occurring and occurring and i had a, a career uh, in in broadway and theater and stuff and just kept growing and going and uh then i kind of bailed on it and started this whole shenanigan. So do you think that that drive to you basically saying yes to opportunities that are being put in front of you, is that sort of what's also been pushing you for this business now? Oh, definitely, for sure. I mean, I, I think one thing that I gained from that industry that I never was conscious of, I can't seem to be saying that a lot. I guess I'm pretty dumb and lucky, but <laughs> but is, is you know, on auditions or as, as a young kid working with adults in a very professional environment. Mm -hmm. I learned early on that if you had the drive and the commitment and the professionalism and you tried and you focused, you gained their respect. And I also learned how to read a room and who am I speaking with and, and what is that pattern to best get and like to never get in my own way. So those skills have served me very well. I'm very fortunate and thankful for that. 
And I think this certain there's a certain audaciousness that 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 empowered definitely as well. Yeah. And then when did you make the switch from the East Coast to come to the West Coast? CBS moved me out to California in 1984. Okay. Yep. And then I was like, wait a minute. So like you can get a license at 16? And I said, I'm never leaving this joint in yeah. the United States. It's a good good call. Hell yeah. Right on. We, we agree, don't we, Kyle? Yeah. We like it yeah. Here. No, none of us are from here. And, uh, <laughs> no, but who, who's, nobody's from California. No, My no. wife is. Well, she's she the one person. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I guess... That sounds like a good place to wrap it up. James McKeon getting serious with the with the with the interview chops. I love it. I try, Kyle. That's what I'm here for. It's the man. What are you new at this? Because I didn't sense that. I, yeah. th- I thought you were on it. What? Usually quieter. That's that's probably true. I hardly ever talk. I'm just like chirp <laughs> up. I'm the start and the finish, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, he started out as like an Ed McMahon, but now he has become the master, and I'm the pupil. Ah, oh, that's it's, too kind, it's beautiful Kyle. stuff. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to come out and uh, no, we no. thank you so much for the invitation. Slightly. Yeah, I've wanted to come here for a long time, so it's awesome. Uh, if people want to find uh, you and your stuff and all the weird, awesome things you're doing, where do they go to do that? Pretty easy website, icon4x4.com. That'll cover all of my antics, or if you're a watch geek specifically, Icon Watch Company. Um, social media, I don't know. I do it all, so it kind of sucks, but I think Instagram's the most fun. That's simply icon4x4. Cool. James, where can people find you? Well, people can find me at no breaking which is at www.nobreaking.com, N-O-B-R-A-K-I-N-G. I can also find me on the same on Instagram and Facebook. That synergy kills me every time. It's like you planned it. I know. It's clever. But Kyle, where can we find your photos of cats and cars? I actually got a complaint that there has not been as many cat photos lately. I know. Dave, that's a big shout out to you, my man. Yeah, so people, you're, they're coming, buddy. You wait. Uh, no, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at uh, uh, Kyle J. Hyatt. And what about for your real work, Kyle, where My, they pay you the big bucks, not the millions that we make from podcasting? Clearly, yeah. That's uh, theroadshow.com uh, or cnet.com slash roadshow or the transportation blog for CNET. So I, I think of funny things to call Elon Musk. Yeah, and just don't talk about magnesium, Kyle. Oh, God, I will never say another even potentially disparaging word about magnesium Did ever you get again. in trouble? I got the mother of all, like, mansplain magnesium, retired magnesium lobby guy emails. <laughs> it was great. Like, the, the email began with, you, sir, need an education. I was like, oh. That sounds like some of the letters uh, literally, like, mailed to me that yeah. I've received from Land Rover owners when I've spoken about land rovers yeah. in a less than favorable light. I wanted past. to get into that at some point. Maybe next time we have you on, <laughs> your, your, your less than charitable opinion of the Land Rover Defender. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, guys, thank you for tuning in for yet another you know hour of silly conversation. And Yeah, and just make sure you obviously leave us a great seven to ten star review out of five. That's right. A very positive comment. Mm-hmm. Feedback's always appreciated as long as it's good. James likes comments on his hair. I do, very much so. And then, obviously, if you've got any questions, feel free to leave them on Instagram or Facebook, and we can certainly answer those, or suggestions on guests we might want to have. For sure. So, um, yeah, thanks again, and we'll we'll, we'll, uh, be back at you next week uh, when we're talking to presumably a different person. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye. Wait a minute. (laughs) 